Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We're here with Ari Hoffman, who is the Director of Customer Advocacy at Coveo. Uh, we had the chance to meet Ari actually a year ago this week at CS100 out in beautiful Utah. And I think uh, at this moment, I'm pretty sure we all wish we were there. Uh, it seems like it would be pretty nice uh, right now. So Ari, uh, first of all, welcome. And thanks for joining us and, and spending some time with us today. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be ziplining down a mountain in the middle of Utah, right? Yeah. Yep. Instead of being stuck in our homes. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, we always like to start with a fun question, uh, you know, something that gets us moving. And so um, the question that I'm thinking of today for you is, what is your dream vacation that you wished you could take right at this moment? That's really, really easy. But my dream vacation requires that we're not in the middle of a pandemic. But if it was, it would be what I was supposed to do for my 40th, which was um, a couple week vacation to Japan, tour all around Japan, take the kids to, you know, Disneyland in Japan, okay. get a piece of that culture. It's somewhere I've traveled the entire world. And this is one of the spots that is missing on my bucket list. Yeah, it's cool. We had a couple of friends go there um, last year and they just mentioned how much fun they had uh, when they did yeah. that. And they just, they actually went skiing. Uh, they did a ton of different things. They, they went like all over um, and explored it. So. I think they're, uh, right. they're right there with you. I'll give you the fun parts of this uh, dream vacation. The reason we didn't go to Japan was because instead we opted to redo our decks around the house. So I had that wonderful alternative. Well, now you have the yeah. decks though. That's good. Yeah. Like you're on lockdown. Yeah. You have these beautiful decks. I saw the picture of it. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Ari, I think the, you know, for us today, obviously, it's going to be a, a lot around advocacy, um, you know, how we think about that in, in SaaS businesses, uh, how it kind of correlates to customer success and, and what we're doing. So I'm excited because I think there's a ton of different angles we can go. But I think first, one of the things that I just picked up on, which I think is I've found unique, is that your title is actually Director of Advocacy. Um, and how did that come to fruition? Like, what's the story there? Like, I'm just curious because I feel like um, a lot of times titles can, can sometimes just be kind of a throwaway, but this time, this time it seems intentional. Like there was a signal of, of why you guys kind of chose that title for you and, and what, the, what the role really came with. So I'm curious how that came to fruition for you. Yeah, and, and some larger organizations have this title as well. Um, it bounces between this, something to do with customer experience, you know, customer marketing. Um, advocacy at a lot of places is actually the person who is responsible, at least at my last company as well, for advocating for the customer on behalf of them. So NPS scores, CSAT surveys, you know, customer effort, product feedback loops, all of those types of things that make sure you're listening to the customer and taking that voice back in to make sure you're staying customer centric. At Coveo, it's a little more aligned with, um, or a lot more aligned with what I was doing in my last job, which was customer success marketing. And there's a distinction that we'll drop on here, which is what's the difference between customer marketing and customer success marketing. I've talked about this in the past, but really simply, customer marketing is how do we take the customer's voice and use it to sell to new prospects, right? It's outcome-based methodology. Think about account managers versus customer success managers, same kind of thing. We're not trying to sell to the close, we're trying to sell to the renewal, right? And that's a big thing for us, right? We don't close deals, we close renewals. And so if you're not selling to make sure they're renewing, that's a big part of what we do and you're missing the mark there. And so customer advocacy and customer success marketing is geared on how do you use your current successful customers, help other customers be better customers, right? How do you use your champions to influence your other customers? A byproduct of that 
is sure, this is great content for prospects, right? And for acquisition marketing. Sure, this is great content for a host of things. But the ideal outcome here is how do we make the best customers possible? And let's use our champions to do that because we're all sick of hearing from ourselves, right? Nobody wants to hear from, everybody has seven CSMs who are all trying to get in contact with them, right? They're all trying to get them on their, you know, EBR, right? Or their quarterly business review or whatever your measurement is. And they're always trying to get more time from you. And the reality is they all want to talk to each other. And so how can you help scale that? How can you make it a one-to-many and a many-to-many approach, right? And that's where customer advocacy, the title is. How do you turn your customer champions into the advocates who talk about you when you're not in the room? So this is, um, again, really interesting just because I think, you know, Jay and I are, are in this um, stage where we're trying to go kind of define some of these things that you're mentioning, right? Like the whole idea of just how can we drive the success and outcome of our great customers back into our other customers, right? Like it's, it sounds simple. It sounds like it's a, on the service level, you're like, that's really easy. Like you have successful ones, you know, take all those insights, give it to the other ones. But uh, the way in which you do that, I think is really, really where the, you put kind of your money where your mouth is. Um, and so I like the way that you also put the distinction between customer success marketing, going to the renewal uh, and leading to that. Because um, again, I think sometimes we, not forget, but after we do that initial sale, I think sometimes we also uh, are blind to the fact that, hey, we have another renewal that's coming up, whether it's in one year, two years, three years. And ultimately that's what we're all gonna be uh, championing towards. And so like, we need to be transparent about that and actually kind of bring that to the forefront of the relationship and say, what are we doing to ensure that renewal? Um, and in turn, if we're ensuring the renewal, there should be things that come along with that. Like we're ensuring their outcomes and uh, we're actually making them successful with our products and we're making them, you know, successful as, as customers. So um, I just took a bunch of notes on those things because I think there's a lot, of, a lot of good just in the first three minutes of this podcast, which I'm excited about. Ari, do you report into, what part of the organization are you part of? So we are originally, um, we were part of the customer experience team at Covale and that's a natural fit, right? Because it bridges sales and marketing and customer success. And um, that was a part of, a sister part of, the marketing organization. So it ran up to the CMO, though it was its own division. We've been absorbed into the uh, marketing team and me and the person, Tracy, who runs our customer marketing, um, both run up into acquisition marketing at the current time. Um, I don't know if it's always the best fit there, but it's, it's working. The reality of our company is we're so cross-channel right? We're so matrix and integrated into each other. Like I work more with the customer success team than I do any other team, but I also work a ton with product marketing, right? I work a ton with um, um, uh, the product team themselves for feedback loops and a lot of those types of things or writing new articles on new case studies or, you know, new tests, um, beta tests that we're doing. And then I deal a lot with, I'm on sales calls a lot, and, and talking with the sales because everybody wants more of the customer voice. And, you know, we can get into that a little more later, which I think is really important. A big thing, you know, for those who are listening now and who think, how do we change the way we interact with our customers, right? The big thing is your perspective. And the reason I make that distinction about the title and how important it is to sell to the renewal is because there's a lot of lip service around customers for life. But in reality, our customers on average last about three years, right? There's a lot of lip service around that. The way you create customers for life that's not lip service, and it's that other, you know, quote unquote term that we use a lot, sticky customers, is you have to make them more valuable. Not just their company. We always focus on their, the customer, the, the company outcomes, right? 
those KPIs, the big business outcomes that we're trying to push. We're lowering costs, we're increasing revenue, but we're all individuals at these companies. doesn't matter how big the company is. And for those who are listening right now, if you're saying, yeah, but I deal with enterprise or yeah, but I deal with small business. Coveo is an enterprise search engine. What we do is we create relevance for your content, right? From whether it's internal documentation to customer facing, we do this for B2C customers, for B2B customers. We do it for the giant behemoths who are fortune five companies all the way down to the smaller shops. And so I deal with advocates at every level. And I can tell you this, the company they work for doesn't dictate how they become sticky because they're individuals. Now, individuals have different personas and personality traits, and you can start to, to lump those together. You can tell the people who really want to show their name off, the people who really care about being like the, the detective or the problem solver, the teacher, and, and you can find all of those. But the reality is, how do you help them become more valuable? And as a byproduct, their company also becomes more valuable, right? But this also means if they leave their company, guess who they think of when they go to the next company? Who do they want to be a part of? Who are they like diehard advocates about? And so, you know, I look at my job is I don't create case studies and interviews. I really feel like I'm a sports agent, but like in the B2B world. And our customers are my MVP players, right? My job is to get them commercials. And my job is to get them more sponsorships and more FaceTime whether that's internally at their own company or externally. And, it is, uh, and, it's so oh, good. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna, no, sorry, I cut Ari off, but I was going to say that's such a good analogy. And, and one of the things that, um, that I've talked about with Jay before, I had a boss one time who told me, if you, you can get your champion promoted or if you can get them some sort of accolade, like just think about the relevance that that brings to them and like how they're going to start tying that back to you and the help that you could help them do, right? Like, hey, if, if if you're like you just mentioned, like if you're getting them FaceTime internally, if you're if you're helping them with reporting or with the, the presentations they have to give, right? I was an account manager at the time, so I was day to day in contact, so it's a little uh, more in, into this account. But like, so I think of it the same thing. I love that analogy though because uh, we've also seen this start to play out in our own community in Game Grow Tain, right? Like we built the community, and, it, and it, the community wasn't built so that Jay and I could you know put our own faces in light, right? Like we want to bring these people to the surface and say, look at all these cool things that they're doing. Uh, look at and like the more that we do that we can build evangelists and then they can do that for the next round and they can do that for the next round and then it just starts growing amongst itself uh, and so I think we've seen that firsthand as well so I love that analogy you just gave too how can I, I'm going to start thinking about in that way like how can I be a sports agent like what's the commercial I can get you how can I get you that endorsement deal yeah, it's, it's really looking at opportunities rather than obligations right I'm not obligated to do x y and z I have this opportunity to be able to do this and like you just hit on I mean you're, you're speaking my language it's uh, how do you raise the collective bar for all, right? The, the rising tide lifts all boats. And do I want to go push myself up and then have to try and reach down and pull everyone up one by one? Or do I try and help everyone get up there? And now when I need help, I've got a thousand hands reaching down for me. And so being the bridge and being the connector and also realizing that these humans also want to do the same thing. They want to be a connector. They want to, they want to know more people in their professional network. And we're all doing this together. And so, you know, we're the next class right? We're all moving up together. And so you want to have a band of advocates. These aren't companies. These are people at these companies. It's the relationships that trump everything. And you do things just because. And it's something I've learned the hard way. And I'm getting better now at the attribution and the measurements on it. But you've got to come at it with what is your actual objective? Because that changes everything. An account manager's objective, right, is to sell you something, wait for the next time it is for you to renew and then sell you it again. Customer success manager's job, what do they do? Their job is to make you successful. And the reason those two jobs are different is because what your ultimate outcome is. 
and what your byproduct will be from that. So a success manager says, I'm going to make you successful byproduct renewals, byproduct, right? Upsell byproduct expansion. Cal manager says, I'm going to sell to you and I'm going to try and get the most money out of you. I can right now because I got 50 other people I got to go sell to you and I'll hit you up next time. I know I might lose you. Right. And so we can tend to do that with advocacy. And I think this is a really, really important thing that those who are doing it right get and those who are struggling, right, are and creating a lot of stress for themselves as well as their customers is anyone who works in advocacy knows about customer fatigue. Right? You've asked them too many times. You asked them, you know, three times in the last month to get on a, a sales reference request. Right? Can you get on with this prospect and tell them how amazing our company is? And you deal with that fatigue. But when you have actual advocates that you help, like you say, get them raises, rise up above, their level of fatigue, what they're able to do, first of all, increases dramatically. Then let's look at their actual account. It's, it's a dream world that you think there won't be problems and there won't be hiccups and third-party integrations won't work and then the fingers point and you know those always happen. But with sticky customers, with these champions, they weather the storm with you, right? And they're going to battle behind closed doors internally at their company for keeping you along. And I have more than a handful of customers that I know can do this. And in fact, when I went to look for a new job, when, when people came after, I had customers writing me letters of recommendation. Now, that wasn't my goal when I did these things, right? <laughs> but it's an outcome because we're creating a, a network of people that trust each other and like each other and are human beings at the end of the day. And we want to see each other succeed. We're rooting for each other. Right? And that's so much more inspiring and helpful. And if you start with that as the outcome, like how do I make people more successful, more valuable, right? And happier individuals, the byproducts you get fall in spades. And, and you can actually backtrack your programs from that. And you can make sure that the outcomes that you're looking for are always based with that as the end result. And it helps make sure that you're not singularly focused on what does your company get out of it. So good, man. So much to unpack. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast a couple of times even after we publish it. Um, so Ari, sometimes what, what I think Jeff and I have seen in our various travels over the past few years, working with a lot of different software companies, is that marketing teams can be very tactical. They can be short-term driven because of what you said, right? They're selling to the, the new sale instead of thinking about selling to the renewal. Um, so I'm curious, and you sort of started to touch on metrics and how you measure what you do, which I think is a really interesting conversation because like a lot of the things, like sometimes Jeff and I talk about this concept of doing things that don't scale. And I think sometimes it makes our marketing team a little nervous because they're like, well, if you don't scale, like how are we going to get to the thousands of leads that we need to generate, you know, the new business that we need to have uh, or the upsells that we need to have. But like how, talk to us a little bit about how you're doing that, the, the measurement around what you do. You said you were sort of coming along in that area. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to give an analogy and this will help for anyone who's in customer success or advocacy or customer marketing that is fighting with a marketing team, not fighting, let's, let's say, has opportunities with a marketing team, create a little change management, right? And um, that flexible change, right, that's desired where the outcomes aren't always clear. So how do, how do you get to clear metrics from an unclear, right, beginning? And the big thing is one is you cannot look at your customer advocacy as a checkbox at the end of the list. Like, okay, we're gonna onboard them, we're going to make them successful. We're going to do this. We're going to have an EVR. We're going to get executive buy-in. We're going to put them on our uh, customer advocacy board. And then we're going to get some, you know, or advisory board. Then we're going to get some advocacy. We're going to do a case study. We're going to have them speak at a conference, right? We're going to do a video testimonial. You can't look at it like that. People aren't linear and real relationships are nurtured, 
And so you have to think about this from beginning to end. When they're going through the sales process and when you're becoming a customer, that entire infinity loop that you see for the customer journey, that continues always. You're always continuously renewing that journey because it's, they're not done once they become a customer and they advocacy, you have renewals and expansions, right? You've got upsells, you've got more seats and you have a maturity model. Most companies have a maturity model of how you're using the product and where you rank. And I do the same thing for advocacy. Where are you on our maturity model? How far have you come? How have you grown? What have you partaken in? You know, what are you good at? What do you excel at? And so here's the analogy that everybody can use, right? I haven't written a book on it yet, but if I were to, this would be my book, which is filling the advocacy well. And this is how companies look at advocacy. And this is across the board. You see this all over the place, which is we've got this well of advocates. And every time we need something from them, we're going to dip the bucket in and you roll it down, get some water. And why do you need that bucket? Well, sometimes it's to splash on our, you know, new prospects that are growing and we want them to grow. And sometimes we splash them on our new customers because we want them to grow. And so, but we dip it in manually every time. We dip that bucket into the well. And I don't care how big your company is. You do not have an unlimited well of advocates. Not customers, but advocates, people who are truly your champions. It's not unlimited. And so you dip in and you dip in. And here's where I love my, this analogy because if you think about it, everybody loves that sweet taste of the advocacy water, right? So, and they can't get it fast enough. So you have salespeople who are reaching out to customers to get it from them and say, hey, can you do a sales call for me? Can you do this? You have product marketers reaching out. And so you have all these different touch points and there's not a lot of visibility on who's touching the customer where. So that's kind of like people are dropping their hoses in and siphoning the water out of the well, right? Sometimes it's even going into the bucket that you're already pulling up and they're siphoning out of the bucket you were just about to pull up. Right? And it's happening. And it, I love this. I love this it so good. <laughs> there's no one to blame in this equation. It's everybody doing what's best for them, right? And, and they're trying to get their jobs done. And it's not because of, you know, malfeasance, right? Or discontent. It's, it's coming generally from a get shit done, excuse my language, but a get shit done philosophy. And so people are trying to get in, the marketers trying to get in, the events team is trying to get it, your customers are trying to get it. And when you do that, the biggest problem with the well that you're dipping down the, the, the bucket into is you can't see the bottom. You don't know where the end is, right? And so you're taking out water faster than you're watching how quickly it replenishes itself. And if you think of a well, right, you got groundwater coming in that you fill it with, you got, you know, pipes that could be bringing water into the well, you have all kinds of different ways. But we always focus on the first thing we try and measure is how fast are we taking the water out? But a key metric that people should focus on, how quickly are we bringing the water in? How do we increase the flow of water so we have a bigger well? And the next thing is how do we move that well above ground so it's in like a water tank that you can see the levels and everybody has visibility. That, that's the thing, right? Because most advocacy programs, even in mid-sized companies, 50, 100, 150 million, they don't exist, right? So all of this is happening in a shadow kind of world, right? It's the underground well. I love the analogy. It works on so many levels. And, and I've, I've spoken to people who run advocacy at very large organizations and are doing a phenomenal job at it, right? And they're having a hard time with attribution. Everybody knows it works. They can prove out a lot of that it works, but they, they can't show the specific numbers. And where we want to get to, right, is saying how valuable is a specific advocate to us? Because a, a scenario that you can have at companies is you can say, well, let's get more of a big, let's just say, you know, Fortune 100 company story out because it's a big brand name. We want to get it out. Let's get more of theirs out. And the advocacy person goes, why? Well, I know our advocates, but let's get, you know, Jane's story out because her story and what she's doing is phenomenal. Yeah, but they're a smaller company and they're, well, when you have attribution, 
that's acquired to it. Now what you can see from revenue influences, yeah, but actually every time Jane speaks, it leads to X amount of deals, right? Every time Jane speaks, it gets us this many leads. So Jane, even though her company is only spending maybe 60 grand with us a year compared to the couple million dollar company over here a year, she's generated $5 million for us over the last year. So Jane herself is more valuable than X company. And this really allows you to make strong arguments that aren't subjective of, hey, I know Jane, she's got a phenomenal story. You can say, look, this is just, when she speaks, people listen. And so the way that you do that is you have to be able to associate them to the campaigns you're running, to the, the customer reference calls you take. You know, and I would say that customer reference calls the, for sales and prospects are the, should be the heartbeat of your advocacy. And the reason for that is there is nothing more critical for the company than that moment. Because one, most of the time, your company isn't on the call. It's a private call between a customer and a prospect, right? So you need to know, you need to be able to trust that that customer knows what to say, has the right experience, has the right examples. They're the right customer for the right prospect, right? You have apples to apples comparisons here, right? They're the right size market, vertical industry, tech stack, right? Same application of your product. So not only is that critical, but think about when a customer reference is brought into the deal. This is late stage. This has the ability to severely pivot that sale. It can go one of two ways, right? Generally, if you have a really strong customer reference call, it's going good for you. If you don't, right? If you got on a customer who unbeknownst to you is just dealing with like a set one issue, right? And they're going through a lot of technical issues and that boils up on the call, you're going to have a different call than you expected, right? And for sales, a lot of times they have, the last time they spoke to this customer was when they were happy and delighted. And so they're relying on that and they're busy. So they don't always know. So you have to be able to measure your advocates health. So this is where customer success ties into sales, ties into product marketing. How much of their product are they using? How healthy are they of a customer? What have they done advocacy wise before? You know, that someone who's done advocacy is more likely to do advocacy, right? So you measure customer reference calls because one is a very clear influence on revenue, right? You can say, Hey, we can't say how much they changed this deal, but we can say they influenced this amount of revenue. And some companies even go as far to say, okay, let's boil down with our head of sales, have this company wide accepted down. How much do we think that affects the sale? Like when someone gets on, just like we, you have lead scoring, right? For marketing, you say, if someone downloads a case study, it's worth this much, right? And you give them a score. And once they've done this, okay, now let's reach out to them because they've reached this level. Well, let's assign the same to a customer reference call. How important is it? 1%, 2%? Now you have a hard number metric. You can say, this is what we're generating through it. It's the easiest way to measure. You start there. The harder things when you start to have to associate it to campaigns and you say, when you speak at a conference, this is how many leads they generate. And then you look at it, but you have to go by the individual, not just the account. Sorry. Yeah, so I, uh, I like that because, again, for a couple of reasons. One, I was in, I was in the digital marketing world for uh, close to 10 years of my career before this. So I was actually living the attribution life like we were trying to figure out. And we would always get customers who were hung up on the actual math of like, was this 10%? Is it 9%? Is it 8%? Is it 12%? Like, how am I absolutely attributing these things? And they were, they were missing the, the bigger part, which is, yes, we can fight over the percentage attribution all day. But what we're missing is the uh, sequence of events that happen. And the sequence is actually more important rather than the percentage that we're associating to each of the, each of the, each of the uh, ways that we can get that customer. And that's, that's what this reminds me of too, right? Where it's, it's way less about, is it 8% of what Jane did on that phone call with that customer? And it's more about, did Jane actually have that 
have that phone call? Did she actually go speak? Right. Like if we can start to put these things in place. It becomes more about the total picture rather than just the, the fighting over the nuances of the percentages. So I like that um, a lot. And I think the, the other thing that this brings up and I wrote it down earlier. So uh, I've, I've learned this a lot from Jay over the last two or three years, which is um, the segmentation element, right? Like I actually think what you're talking about too is another angle of, you know, Jane and her account actually is way more valuable to us than the 60 grand. So like she may, she might not be in with the other 60 grand accounts because, you know, we actually move her up uh, a segment and she gets a different level of service based on all the extra advocacy things she's doing based on the, again, kind of the value that her and that account are to our business. And so I think that's another kind of fluid piece that sometimes people get caught up on, which is like, no, I segmented my customers. I've got three segments. Jane belongs in segment three. And it's like, well, we need to be thinking about segment segmentation in kind of a uh, three-dimensional way, so to speak, right? So that you can actually move and look at people uh, because they're going to fit and it's going to be fluid in different segments. And, and Jay talks about that all the time because uh, who are your customers going to reference? Um, and that is a big question to ask. And that goes back to, I think, your earlier point, which is like, we can't be having Apple talking to mom and pop shop down the street, right? Like those two are just not going to be compatible. And so I think looking at that angle as well, the there's, man, there's so much on this podcast. I already know we're going to bring you back for like a second hour. Like this is just, it gets my gears turning though. I like this. My presentation at the sales kickoff was literally called apples to apples references oh. because sales wants it. The customer wants it. The prospect wants it. And there's even a way that you can position these when you're asking a customer to give a reference that, you got to think about what's in it for them. Why do they want to stop their day and share their story to help you sell more? Well, let's talk about why. Totally. Because one, this is a, a company that's like-minded as yours. You're growing your network. These are high level individuals that you're going to be talking to expanding your network. Right. And on top of it, once they become customers, they have a very similar model to yours. So you can learn from them right? We can connect. You've grown a relationship so that you can even, if they're doing something unique or innovative with the way that they're leveraging the product, you now have a direct end to how they're doing that, right? And so forming these relationships are really powerful. Um, the apples to apples isn't just, you know, mom and pop to Apple. It's, are they, you know, wh what's their role at the company? Are you having an IT person talk to a, a marketing person? Are you having a business manager right? Talking to an IT, someone that's going to get into the technical details when they want to talk about vision and overall outcomes. So you want to make sure that the, the roles, the industries, the size, and then the tech stack. Are you having someone that's deploying ServiceNow or Salesforce or Oracle? Because they're going to want to talk to the worlds that they fall into because that's what they know. And so you can really get into the segmentation there, but you've got to know your customers. And so when you talk about measurement, that's when I talk about how fast are you bringing them in? Can we measure that? Can we measure how healthy the well is? Now we understand this. Let's start to measure the output. And of course, you can't stop the flight, right? You got to repair the wing while you're in flight. So you're still going to be putting out your case studies and your reference calls, but know that what your outcome, if you want to get the healthy measurements post-advocacy, you got to really start to focus on healthy measurements pre-advocacy. And you talk about segmentation. I, I can call it the maturity model because think about it like this. There's a simple way that someone taught me of measurement and segmentation on the maturity model, which is the stages a customer goes through with you. So we have public or, or private public profile and lighthouse. Private. So what is private? It means, look, they'll, they'll give an anonymous third-party review, right? Like a Gartner Peer Insights because their name isn't on it. They can't get in trouble for it. They don't have to get branding clearance for it. They can leave it. They'll get on even maybe a customer reference call for you because it's not recorded. It's not live. They don't have to go through PR and comms. 
Then you have public. It means, oh, they'll, they'll share on like the Salesforce app exchange because, and their name's attached to it. They'll share on something where their name is attached. They'll do some light stuff with you. No problem. They'll show up to events. They might even speak at your own conference, right? Then you have profile, which means not only are they public, but they're willing and they have comms approval to do case studies with you, to do interviews, to speak at third party conferences on your behalf, right? As like a customer endorsement. And then you have Lighthouse. And this is what you're talking about. Like these are your best of your best. And they can be one of two things for us, at least. You have strategic accounts. They spend over X amount, like a million dollars a year and have you know associated teams with them. Or they can be Lighthouse because they have done so much advocacy for you with such positive results. Now, when we do an event with, let's say, TSIA, and I have the head, you know, John Ragsdale, reaching out to me saying, what a customer. Oh, my God. That was amazing. They got voted, you know, the conference, they got voted in the top 1% of all speaking sessions. That kind of stuff that, you know, that helps move them into that lighthouse segmentation. And then you also can think about not all customers are the same. Some customers are great in front of a live audience. Thousands of people in the stands, they, they get up there and they crush it. But you put them in front of a video camera for some reason and they freeze and they lock up. Something about the permanency of it, right? And you have some that are amazing at writing a, a blog right, or sharing in your community, but you get them on a webinar and it's not really their jam. They're not, they don't open up the same way they do digitally. Digitally, they're like this charismatic, fun-going person. They're always responding to stuff and then you get on a call and it's like, what happened? And it's because they're, you know, we're humans and, and they might be introverts, but it, so you want to be able to say, you know, these are our customers that are good at X, Y, and Z, right? These are the customers that aren't just good at it, but people respond well to them, right? And, and you can get more and more complex. You don't need to start there. That's an advanced model, right? But that's what you want to aim for is being able to know them. And you can't do that if you're not measuring them on the way in. I love that. <clears throat> I love that framework. Ari, and I anticipate that some of this will show up in our Salesforce instance very soon as we uh, begin to roll this out. So on that line, I know we're running out of time with you. Get real tactical with us for a second. Yeah. Like a lot of companies don't have a lot nailed down. They don't have somebody who's even in the role that you are dedicated to this day after day. So like, where do we start? Give us, give us like, if we don't have anything in place today, other than the hose being dipped down into the well, like, what would you suggest that the CS leader I can, or the I can assure you with? that's where you're at. And I can assure you, <laughs> well, even if you have true. a good program, you're still there, right? We're always trying to just, <laughs> yeah. how many, you know, can I review in the next quarter or two, can I remove one or two more hoses, right? And the, the good thing is when you come at it from the perspective of, and you can see this, this isn't a Coveo thing, but this is, you know, I, I talk to so many companies and I interview so many people. This is just something that happens across the industry, which is sales is always like, you know, I just, I don't understand why you need me to fill out more information and understand more about the sale. Let me just get it done. That's your job as a customer success manager, find out all this information. And the customer success manager says, wait a minute, but if they got to come in and then I got to start net new with them and trying to discover all this, we're losing all that momentum. So you got to get the information. It's the circular band. It's marketing and sales. Does it. Well, there's not enough leads. Yeah, but you're not closing the leads. And right. When we play this, what's great about with advocacy and even customer success too, and why I'm so in love with the, the development of that um, field is, you can, you can move yourself more to the middle and say, I understand sales, why you're going through this. I get why, you know, you're, you're lining up customer reference calls, even though you don't need them yet, right? Because you're jumping the gun. You want to make sure if they ask for it, you got it there. And so, you know, I'll set up customer reference and the next thing you know, I get an email from the salesperson to the customer say, oh, thank you so much. They're not quite ready yet. 
I'll let you know when they are. This person just changed their day. They just changed their schedule because you had set something up for them. And, but you can't think of it like, oh, the salesperson's killing me here. You have to think what they're going through. There's a lot of unknowns, right? They don't know where their prospects are going and they're trying to manage it all. And so if you can help shed some of that light in the way that you even talk to your customers when they're going through it, they're humans too. They get it. You just got to be authentic about it and, and bring it in. So the big thing here is where does someone start? I would say there are a couple key things that you can do to really boost your advocacy and start to move it in the right direction. One, you got to give the well analogy so that they can understand. If anyone wants an image, it, it literally in one shot tells a million things. And if you do that, you can start to reframe, right? But they're still going to be like, yeah, yeah, we get it, but we still need more case studies. So the next thing is understand who your customer base is. So survey your customers, talk to your customers, right? People don't always fill out surveys. They might already be getting too many emails. Start calling up your customers. Talk to them. It doesn't have to be long. 15 minutes. Get to know who they are. Understand what they're comfortable with. Understand what they're not. Talk to their customer success managers. Survey your customer success managers. Instead of surveying outward, always to the customer, survey your CSMs. They know your customers. Ask them, who are your best? What are the top things that, problems that they're dealing with right now? This will help you generate the stories you should be helping them with. All right? What are the top issues? If you could wager a wave a magic wand, what kind of thing would you want? So survey internally. Understand your customers. But here's, here's the big one. Set up some SLAs. So the service level agreements, right, that you want. So for us, it was like customer references. They always come in and they were needed two days ago, right? Well, when do you need this customer reference? Two days ago. And then you get, well, if you can't get us a customer in a week, what does that say about us as a company? It's like, well, it doesn't say anything about us as a company. <laughs> Could you get that salesperson on call within well. a week? Like they, they have jobs and lives, so they need adequate amount of time, right, to be contacted. So they may need a minimum two weeks to set up a call, right? So set up the SLA, but the SLA works two ways. It means when a reference comes in, that sales can trust you to turn on. So I will get a response to you within 48 hours, at least a response from me that I know that you have this request in and that we're working on finding you a customer. And I might ask for some more clarity around what we need here. Like, did you tell me enough about their business objectives? Did you tell me enough about their, uh, their tech stack? or the type of role they're trying to talk to. And so we even have a reference request form. But for the SLAs, it's here's what it is. Here's what I, you know, I will get back to you by. And here's what I can guarantee, right? I will guarantee that we'll find, if not, you know, this is basically a ding on me, right? That we can't find you someone here. And this is part of the SLA is, I don't want you just setting up a customer with a reference request if we have time. So I want a week before, we should prep the customer with what types of questions are they gonna field? Okay, so that SLA works that way as well. Then the SLA says, I also know at the end of quarter and the end of year, it's crunch time. So our CSMs need to be aware, all these SLAs are gonna change. So we have game time SLAs, right? So the last two weeks of every quarter, we move from a 48 hour response time to a 24 hour response time. We move from needing two weeks to needing a week, right? And what do we do here is we let our best advocates know, hey, just you know, don't, no requests now, but we might have some requests coming down the line. I just want you to be prepared. You let the CSMs know, hey, the end of this month, the last two weeks, just so you know, we're going to potentially have a lot of customer reference requests coming in. And the end of the year, we actually move it even down. It's like an eight-hour response time, right? It's 24 hours to, to three days. And we let our, basically our Lighthouse customers know, hey, it's going to be game time. We might need you. Can you be there available? Because you got vacations, you got lives on the other end, but be prepared for it. So start with the SLAs. You can do that even with marketing. They need people from our events and for case studies. 
Okay, here's what the turnaround is going to look like. Here's what I expect from you. All right, here's the types of questions you need to know ahead of time before reaching out for a customer because the back and forth game is just going to suck time away from me being able to fulfill what you need. So let's speed up the entire process by making sure that information is known ahead of time. So those SLAs are, are hugely important if you want to start to scale. I love it. That was awesome. Fantastic. So, you know, the well analogy, know your customers and the SLAs right here to end it. So um, Ari, I already, I think I've already said this probably three times, but we're, A, I'm going to go listen to this episode myself, which I have not done once of, of my own episodes because I don't like to hear my own voice. So I, hate it too. I think that's you have a nice that's voice. Testament. You both yeah. have very nice voices. It's testament. But, um, uh, you know, I think the other thing is just, uh, there's so many more things I want to ask you about this that I think are going to be really good. Like, you know, how do you reward uh, advocates over time? Like what sort of perks do you give them to try, you know, give them the good, good feelings? There's a ton of, I mean, huge things I'm going down, but there's a whole uh, segment things. we could do just on the psychology of people and, oh, and sure. how to motivate and then how to actually take that internally to motivate, right? Which is there's a whole storyline events, you know, are you championing companies? Or are you championing people? And why, what the difference is that the super easy analogy, right? That everyone uses of like Star Wars, right? And, and the customer journey that Luke goes on, but we can do that whole thing. And it's, oh it's really fun stuff and it helps you learn how to tell stories in a way that motivate the people who are telling the stories that motivate the people who are listening to the stories that inspire, that cause intrigue and engage. It's so much fun. And it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I hey, love that. Ari, we, we, we've got something called the operator excellence series. And as part of gang grow retain, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you know who Z pellet is, but um, he did our very first one of those. So it's a series that has one episode so far. <laughs> we do it once a quarter. So I'm asking you on the spot on the air, if you would do that with us. And basically we take somebody who's executing at a level head and shoulders above the rest of the community to just describe in detail how you're doing this and what you're doing and show your work so that other people can learn from it in a more detailed way. I would love to have you do that if, if you'd be yeah. open to it. Absolutely. Um, I will say, I don't think anybody is head and shoulders above the rest because we're all learning, right? It's, but I have definitely learned and failed yeah. a lot that has put me in the position I'm in now, right? That, that I, I see it a little more clearly now than I ever did before. And the fun thing is once you start to see it this clearly, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to get to do, right? It's like yep. so much passion and, and fun in the day yeah. to day. You're making people better. It's, you know, yep. huge, huge passion. All doing this together. That's what you guys are doing right now. Yeah. Literally. We're trying to, you know? Come on, that's how you can do 18 calls in a day. <laughs> Right? You can't do 18 calls in a day without jumping out your window, right? Unless you're, you're loving it and you're feeling like you're actually making people better because of it. That's perfect. Well, uh, Ari, we appreciate the time today. Uh, we're going to take a ton of notes. We're going to get this episode out. We're going to get you, uh, you know, already back on the calendar for another episode, but we appreciate the time today and uh, hope all goes well out in Portland. Hopefully you guys stay safe out there with all, all that's going on. You guys are awesome. Yep. Best wishes, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.